Hello. <laughs> Hello. So this, <laughs> this is definitely our first time doing this. Yeah. So I probably shouldn't reuse the bad puns from the first time. I thought they were time. great. We talked about '90s animated shows. We did. We had a lot of fun. We talked about stuff. Lenny Kravitz. Parents just don't understand. Right. There you was know, some little, good little content in there. Fresh Prince. Which was technically '80s. We found out. We, yeah. Yeah. We talked about Lisa Bonet. Talked about the year you were born. 1988, baby. Yep. Good stuff. Good well, stuff. you missed all so, of it, and now it's gone forever. So Gone forever. Uh, where I we think we mentioned that Pinky and the Brain was a brilliant program. Yes, the, and that the Batman animated series was a, a, iconic. Yes. So yes. you missed all that, folks. And if you watch just a clip of an animated show from the 90s, or really any time, it's probably going to seem very weird to you. But with that being said, don't watch Quest for Camelot. That's my PSA. How, how can you say that without actually having seen it? I, I not only did I watch the clips, I also read the IMDb <laughs> like plot, the summary of the story. Not interesting. Do the same thing for Anastasia. I will. See what see what they say there. And take a look at the the uh, Rotten Tomatoes rating for both of them. See see. How I will. And I think we'll find that neither of them probably do. Quest for Camelot probably isn't even even on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Anyhow, they're, uh, they were both playing pretty constantly in my home. And as a parent, you are influenced by your children and your children are influenced by you. And I don't know what that says about my, you know, my children and their tastes in music and entertainment. And the fact that my daughter is really into musicals and all of my kids memorize things. Pastor Camelot gets 45%. Remember that. Higher as, as usual in the audience score. So... That's how most things tend to go, it seems. Anastasia. Except for the some really weird artsy things will get a great critic score on there. Ha! So, 80. Much better than I expected, actually. So. Certified Fresh. Certified Fresh. Which was my nickname in high school. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> fresh Prince. Of course it um, was. So we had a, a little technical difficulty situation. Uh, so we have recorded almost a full podcast already today. Uh, the video, the and, video, froze. and then in our highly secure studio here at Real Life, had a breach. <laughs> Somebody walked in in the, middle, in the middle of the recording. It wasn't so, the middle. It wasn't the middle. It wasn't we the middle. Had four it was, minutes, it was, and we couldn't edit the audio. It was something. So, so here we are. Here we are. So for a little out of it this time, more so than usual. Apologies. That would take some doing. Wouldn't You'll it? also That's, note that the video is slightly. Well, I guess maybe for you guys it'd be to the right. This, yeah. It's definitely at an angle. Or, yeah, but that's okay. We're trying something. I think it new. makes my face large. Makes you so. have a prominent chin. That's very that's intelligent, that's right? The, that's what the beard is for, is a prominent chin, because I have no chin otherwise. I have no chin either. So my, my mom went and the sister always made fun of me about that. The man with no chin. That was my nickname in high school. I had a and I've I'm the only person I've ever met in my life that had this when I had all my orthodontal work in high school or whatever. I had braces and headgear like everybody, but I also had something called a lip bumper. Ever tell you about bumper. that? No. It was after I got. I don't my, think I've heard this story before. It was after I got my bottom braces off. They left the back two like connector things in, and they put it was just a metal U-shaped bar around my bottom teeth, and they call it a lip bumper. And to mm. this day, I don't know what it was for, hmm. but Keep I had it on there for like a year. Bumping your lip, I don't like know. the bumper on your car. I don't know. What was I bumping my lip against? I have a friend who's a pastor in Florida who was discussing with me the the increasing significance of the pulpit bumper. I don't know what that is. It's that middle section of your body that increases oh. as you get older and bumps against the pulpit while you preach. And that's so, important? 
well, it's, or it's problem, significant. Or problematic. I don't know if it's important, but it is increasing in its significance. So, well, yeah. So that's why, why are we podcasting again? What are, I, we, what are we doing? Talking about it's really important that we figure out why we're doing this before we do it. Like parenting, understanding what you're building. You want to be a parent so. who does understand. That's right. That's right. And not understand your children as much as understand you what your understand job your is in the first place. And realistically, most of us understand our children, but just hit the so table, understand it. our children better than our children understand us because True. we've been children and they haven't been parents, which is, I guess, one of the things that makes this, uh, this series kind of important for people at, at any number of different points in life, if you're not a parent and, and so on, because we are all affected by this. And so whether this is preparing us for parenting or helping us understand our parents, uh, seeing, you know, why we are the way we are, when we understand our parents, I wonder and, that about myself constantly. <laughs> uh, then we can understand what, uh, what shaped us and, and how we might shape our own children or others who are around us. So, uh, anyway, as we were talking about this on Sunday, you know, we were looking at kind of the backdrop uh, the week before, as we, we looked at Psalm 127, we we're talking about the uh, the idea that unless the Lord builds a house, it's it's a worthless, fruitless, mm -hmm. empty, vain effort. And so we want to we want to be on board with what God is doing, rather than trying to Christianize our own version of stuff, where we do what we want to do, right. and then try to say this is God's thing. We don't know what God's thing actually is. So this week, as we were talking about parenting, uh, we're looking at, at what, what kind of a home God actually is calling us to. What is the primary job of parents? And it's not uh, all of the things that we turn it into or all of the nebulous and worthless ideas that, that we hear about. I mean, this is why we have parents who are, uh, I, I, I don't even know if I can honestly call them parents in clear conscience. They, they are progenitors, but that doesn't mean that they're raising their children necessarily. Um, who are encouraging the non-binary uh, understanding of gender to their four and five-year-olds, you know, and going along with whatever whim comes into my child's head. Right. Children are full of whims, you know, that, that's, uh, again, Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: folly is bound up in the heart of a child. And, and the point being is the second half of the verse relates it's a parent's job not to just ride with the folly that kids do stupid stuff, right. but to drive that out, to discipline that out of the child. You know, stop, you know, <laughs> stop trying to play with the fish in the middle right. of the living room. Right. You know, stop playing Frisbee with the good china. You know, we don't let kids do stupid stuff. Why do we think it's okay when they're physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being is at stake to just say, oh, well, I think maybe they, you know, they have a better understanding of their gender than, than I do at five years old or eight years old they don't. or whatever. Speaking to that, <clears throat> ah, the TikTok was in Wisdom Returns for 2022. So much, so um, much. There was this, I want to say either preschool or kindergarten teacher on, on TikTok, and she was talking about how she 
she is in the LGBTQ community and she talks to her students about that and and encourages them to be what they want to be. And a lot of other members of the LGBT community have gotten on there in response to her. And they've actually said, "Uh uh-uh, you don't do that. These are children and they don't have the ability yet to even, they shouldn't be thinking about those things. That is pushing an agenda right. you're these you know you have and so at the same I, time some of those same folks who would be telling her not to push her agenda would also be saying as parents we should not be pushed be pushing the traditional sure, things I get as well right absolutely and and but, so i disagree with that premise well, yeah. even though i just I, I agree with that specific conclusion right the thing is though at that age, my son is in preschool. He's four years old. I know his teacher and I know he's not going to do things like that. But um, that is the kind of stuff at, from such an early age that is being given to these children in the world, which to me makes it even more important. And I, you know, we talked about this in I was gonna say the last podcast, but about, last 20, podcast, but about 20 minutes yeah. ago. Um, the last attempt at a podcast. We have such a short time, a short window of time as parents when we you do. really think about it to to influence our children in the right the right way right and to have this impact on them and you know when when they're in the home and you're just doing things you're going through everyday life you don't feel like you have these opportunities but you do and and again you mentioned this before whether you're walking the dog or cooking something together or cleaning something those are opportunities that we don't often take all of life becomes a teachable moment i'm super guilty of that because i don't do that and i need to because i'm realizing more and more that my time with my child is very limited right and and you know in in our world especially with social media and TikTok and you know snapchat and and all of the you know the influence of pinterest you know we've got so many things where we end up feeling like the goal of parenting is to have the most adorable children right. to give them the the you know most memorable holidays and all these different things and i can't tell you i don't need to tell you because you already know the number of people that that i deal with regularly that we all deal with regularly whose lives are falling apart mm. whose homes are falling apart whose children are falling apart but we got a great Instagram post. It's really, you know, so, we're I, super happy right. I family. I think I said this once before that I, I read once that social media, when people post on social media is like the highlight reel of their lives. Yes. It's not reality. That's right. I, when, you know, when I was coaching football, I would, um, at Michigan Lutheran, I put together uh, highlight mm-hmm. films right. for each of our games. So we had our game film and then I had a highlight film just to try to, you know, have some fun with it. And, right. and so we put it together and, and man, we had some really good highlight films mm-hmm. on games that we got beat by forty right, points. Right, right. But if a someone bad just game. saw, but if someone just saw the highlight film, right. they'd be like, "Man, these guys are great." Right. We we played badly. Right. But we had moments that were yeah. great, and and so you show those big moments, and sometimes it was doing the wrong thing, you know. It, yeah. But it worked out, and, and and we do that all the time with our parenting, mm-hmm. and we have been sold a bill of goods about what what our job is as parents is that we're you know, trying to keep our children safe. That is a fallacy. You cannot, let me just say this clearly in a world where we love safety right now, you cannot keep yourself, the children perfectly protected. They're going to get sick. They're going to get hurt. They're going to do stupid stuff. That's reality. So we want to keep them as safe as we can in a reasonable way, but we have to also let them live life. 
And we have to let ourselves live life. If we continually try to, to bubble wrap our children, we're going to end up miserable. Right. Our children are going to end up miserable. And resentful. And resentful. And when they get into real life situations where they are not protected, they don't have the the, the bumper rails up, so to speak. The lip bumper. The lip bumper. <laughs> uh, then they're not going to know how to process they have to be that. So to handle life. Yeah, our job is not to keep them from ever having contact with the outside world, right. but it is to keep them from becoming part of that world. To to part not of your world. Yes, I, I had it in my head, and I tried not to say it, and here we are anyway. But I tried. I, I did try to say it. So. No and, regrets. And yeah, so. <laughs> I'm just thinking of that they don't reprimand their daughters. Thinking, thinking of my cold hands in the first podcast attempt, but you know, when I was going to make that frozen pun, but I was already going to make a or you know re-reference re-reference Finding Nemo, even though I said it last week about where she said, "Well, you can't let not let anything happen to him because then nothing would ever happen." That's to him. exactly right. But that's that's wisdom from Dory, and and that's very true. And you know, when you decide that you can't make a frozen pun, what do you have to do? Make a little mermaid. Or let it go. Oh, so, oh sorry. I was trying I, so hard to set you up. Really we've, already, we've already been listen, through this already. Listen, it's, listen. We've, it's been a day. We're already ready already. But anyway, <laughs> as we're... So we don't prepare. It makes us worse. <laughs> as we're, as, I just now realized that our camera is set up on a box of Yes, we are oh, golly. professionalism. I should take a picture of behind the scenes. There's so uh, much professionalism going on here. It's to be really, fair, really to good. be fair, so, we've already done this one. We're, yeah, we're a little <laughs> podcast uh, slap happy. Here, so. Anyway. So we looked at Deuteronomy 6 because Moses, My as he's dealing chapter. with it, it <laughs> ought to be. One. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's better than numbers. fantastic stuff. <laughs> but as, as Moses is... A, he's brought the people back out of the wilderness. God has. Moses has, has been the leader that God appointed. And, you know, we know the, the story of them coming out of Israel. They get to the promised land almost immediately. And God says, here it is. Boom. And they say, oh, gosh, that seems hard. You know, there's giants. It's hard. And, and uh, God says, well, let's see if we can't fix this situation by giving you a time out in the wilderness for 40 years. So that generation passes away. Now they're, they're back on the threshold of the promised land. And Moses gives them this, this reminder, the second giving of the law. And after recounting for the people, what God has done, he's, he's putting them in a situation where they're, they're going in and he's reminding them, this is the, this is who you need to be. These are the kind of people that we need to be. And not just the kind of people we need to be. This is the God to whom we belong. And our entire being hinges on that. And so this is the reality that all of us were created for, but sin separates us from it. So we we can't, none of us can live out our purpose apart from a relationship with God because a relationship with God is our purpose. We can't do that on our terms. We have to do that on his terms. So Moses, as he's giving this um, this reminder of the commands of God uh, to the people in verses 4 through 9, a familiar passage here for many of us, uh, he says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames, <clears throat> excuse me, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So what he's saying here as he's as he's working through this, he's giving them instructions on God's expectations on, on, on how to build the nation, not, not the nation building part of it, but how to be the people of God. And in this nutshell, he's already, you know, re-given them the Ten Commandments. He's going to give them more instructions as they go forward. But he's given this basic instruction, this, this central piece that we need to be the people of God. We need to raise our children to understand who God is, to love God, to be the people of God, so that they can pass that on and teach their children who God is and to be the people of God. And so with that in mind, it, it, it ties into parenting really well, even though the passage is broader than that. It's not specifically about parenting, but it involves parenting, speaking to everyone, parents and non-parents. And he's saying these we need to pass these things on to the next generation. We need the, the reality of God to be so connected and interwoven with the realities of our everyday life and our experience that we can't separate it in our mind. It's we obey God and that's how we live our lives. And every part of our life is, is seen through that lens. It's filtered through that. And so that naturally flows into how we raise our children so that we raise our children with God as, as just normal, not a Sunday morning, not a Sabbath thing, you know, where, where we, you know, we go to church, we go to Sunday school and that's the last time we pray together. And right. that's the last time we open our Bible. And, you know, we go, maybe we take our kids to a, a you know, kids church or, or an Awana program or some kind of thing and you know we let the professional ministers right. you know teach them and the those Sunday school teachers they get to teach them and all these you know trained people but that's the opposite of what God is saying the primary responsibility for the discipleship of our children lies with us as parents the primary goal of parenting is to raise fully formed lovers of God that's our job if we get everything else wrong my you know my children ends up my children end up not having a proper education, right. do they speak like me? Uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I don't know, they never play on a sports team or they don't know how to, you know, play music or whatever, whatever you come up with. I let them watch too much TV. I don't let them watch any TV. All the details of life. I, I don't teach them how to handle money. But I teach them to be fully formed lovers of God. So they are passionate about living for Christ. I would contend that if I'm actually doing that, all the rest of these things will come into place. They, they will all they will all happen, and they will happen right, rightly. <clears throat> Excuse me, I don't want to miss out on my adverb. Um, and it's real easy for me to spin off into a whole lot of other topics from there. But but ultimately, if we are teaching the centrality of God, the reality of God in our in the reality of our everyday living, then all the rest of the stuff takes care of itself to an extent. I, I want excellence in my life for the glory of God. And, and this actually is what happened uh, in, in many ways following the, the uh, great Protestant 
uh, Reformation in the in the 1600s, mm-hmm. is the what we know now as the Protestant work ethic and, and some of the different things that, that said it doesn't you don't have to be clergy to honor God with your vocation. If you you know if you're the the plowman or you know a lawyer or uh, you know a, a tinsmith, whatever it is that you do. Do it all for the glory of God. Do it excellently for the glory of God. So if we are teaching our children, if we're discipling them and teaching them uh, the, the ways of God, teaching them to fear God, to understand him as he is, as he's revealed himself, and uh, and this is the, the primary purpose of our living is then to, to honor him with everything that we do, well, then all the rest of it's going to come out. My you know, I, not to use Tim Tebow too often as an example, but you know, I'm still a fan after all these. And I'm more of a fan now that he's not playing playing ball because ball's great. Does he commentate? He does still, I think, do some of that. But mostly what he does is he impacts people's lives right. for Christ. You know, his uh, night to shine thing that he does uh, for special needs. He's uh, got his own foundation, people. right? He does, yeah. Uh, he's... He has worked really hard to take the money that he made from football and everything else uh, and, and from his books and all the different things that, that he's been blessed to do and put that into a way to honor God, to mm-hmm. glorify God and have an impact. Whether he ever played football or plays football right. doesn't matter because his parents raised him to see Christ as central to everything. So if he had been a janitor at the local high school, it would have been the same approach. Would it have been a smaller scale? Of course, because it's not NFL money at the local high school. But it it wouldn't matter. He was going to be shaping people's lives for Christ, doing everything that he can to influence others. And for us as parents, this is what what we want to be passing on to our children, is when we do life God's way, it's much bigger than that moment in life. But that moment in life is much easier to handle. God provides, God protects, we, we're, when we're doing it his way, and he blesses the project, whether it's building a home, whether it is my career, or whatever else it is, when I give it to him, he blesses it and, and makes it right for his glory, for our good and his glory. The hardship becomes that. So in, in teaching our children, and, and really just taking it from what Moses said here in Deuteronomy 6, Um, there were were five points that came out from that. And as we kind of walk through that, the first thing that he says in the Shema here is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We see this idea that that we are to embrace the Lord on his terms. We don't, you know, classify God as a world religion. That there's, you know, there are, there's God and there's, you know, all these other gods that other people, and all religions are trying to do the same thing. No, that's not it. There, God is not religion. God is reality. He He is. Not it is. It's not the force from Star Wars. But God is the eternally existent one. And if he is the creator of all things, the designer of all things, then we need to be on board with what he is expecting. He is the final judge of all things. Therefore, his commands matter. And that's what Moses is reminding them of. <coughs> Our job as humans is to embrace the Lord on his terms. But because we don't, and our flesh makes us hostile to God and incapable of repentance apart from him breaking in, then God calls out a special people from the human race. 
and he did that with Israel to prefigure his his cosmic role that will uh, happen in reality when Christ returns. He does that with the church in calling us out from the world, from all nations, uh, from you know, Jew and Gentile alike. We are called out in Christ, but we have to do all of these things by knowing who God is and embracing him, by understanding this isn't about what I want. It's not the God I believe in. And, and right. you know, my God wouldn't do that. Right. God is God. God does what God does. He is sovereign. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. And therefore, when God says do it, it's not really a question. You know, it's either rebellion and condemnation or faith leading to obedience. So we embrace the Lord on his terms. The second thing he says in, in uh, verse two is that, that we love the Lord with our whole being. You love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength. And before we ever get to parenting, these are the things we have to do. We have to embrace God for who he is on his terms. We need to love him with our whole being, commit ourselves to him, value what God values, prioritize him above everything else so that God is a uh, is the driving motivator in everything that I do. Not, you know, well, I'm going to fit church things in around the rest of my schedule. You know, it's, I well, I've got God, but, I, you know, Sunday morning is not really that big of a deal. You know, church isn't that big of a deal, except for the fact that God says it is. Mm -hmm. And so when God says, don't forsake the assembling together of yourselves, when God couches everything in body language, that just reminded me of Little Mermaid, Mermaid. again. Uh, Underestimate in, the in, importance. In, <laughs> In this body life, he speaks to his people both corporately and individually, and he always has from, from Adam and Eve in the family unit to Israel uh, coming out of Abram's family unit or Abraham's family unit to the church and still continuing to use family language to convey himself. He speaks to us in this corporate setting, and we need to recognize that if we're going to prioritize God, if we're going to love him with our whole being, then then church life isn't something we add on. It is our life. This is the center of what we do. So we embrace the Lord on his terms, love the Lord uh, with your whole being. And third, when he says, <clears throat> these commands that I give you today are to be on your heart, we need to plant God's word in our own hearts as parents, as individual people, so that we, we know who God is, which we know from his word. Mm -hmm. We take him on his terms as he's revealed himself in his word. We love the Lord with our whole being, which means that when God says something, we want to know what it is. If, you know, if my wife writes me a love letter, I want to read it, right? I want to know it. I'm going to memorize it and I'm going to have an affection for it. As Christ followers, as those who, who have taken God at his word, we want to plant it deep in our own hearts. You know, a lot of people will use the, I, maybe I'm sounding harsh when I say it, the cop out of saying, well, I'm not really a Bible scholar, right. you know. Right. Nobody said you had to be a Bible scholar, but you have to be a Bible student. Right. Scholar is a choice, by the way. Scholar is somebody who puts in the time as a student to master something. Right. You're and, born and, one. Right. Nobody is born a scholar, but we learn how to do these things. And when we do that, when, when we take it into our heart, now we have something to give our children. Right. We can't give what we don't have. Right. Yeah. And so he goes on to say that we're to constantly impress God's word on our children. Impress this on them. Talk about it when you're, you know, as you mentioned earlier, whatever it is you're doing, if you're baking cookies, eternal things, 
come up. You know, I just was talking with my mom this morning. I don't even remember what it was about. Some inane, you know, foolish conversation. But not, not foolish, that's the wrong word. But it wasn't, it didn't mean right. anything. Every day. We're just talking right. about things breaking down. That's right. what it was. Just, you know, we... And we get these reminders that we live in a fallen world. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's to remind us that this isn't our home, right? right? And so it's good for us to remember that we don't belong here. Mm -hmm. We're citizens of another land. Mm -hmm. And the the discomfort we feel here can be a reminder for right. that. In the same way with our children, every conversation, we need to be seeing through the lens of the reality of God. Right. We want to be regularly, consistently connecting the dots in every conversation between what we're experiencing in our everyday life mm -hmm. and the reality of who God is so that the, the truth isn't something that we touch on once in a while. Right. You go to youth group to get some discipleship or whatever else. Right. It, it, it's a constant living, which is why he ends with this, the idea of, of the phylacteries there, you know, bind God's word on your, uh, Bind God's word on your on your hands and on your forehead, and uh, there goes the video. Yep, and we only have so. one minute left here, so we gotta <laughs> wrap it up here. So, so anyway, it's a it's a whole life thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're, so, <laughs> we've had enough for today. <laughs> discipleship oriented parenting is where we're going to be looking for the rest of the series. Okay, and we will try to get it together with technology in the future. Mind uh, you, too. This is crazy <laughs> stuff. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments, you guys know what to do. You can send us an email at somethingreal@reallifeonline.org, or you can leave us a, a comment on uh, Facebook or YouTube if we get this video up, or using the Anchor app, or you can leave us a voicemail at 269-756-RLCC. And maybe we'll have it together next week. Maybe, maybe. not. All right. We are the home of professional podcasting. Yes, and we will end with that. Thanks, everyone.